welcome back. You're listening to Those Trans Guys Podcast, a podcast focused on everyday education and experiences about trans men. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Trinket and Vine. Trinket and Vine is a small pin shop based in Vancouver, BC. It is owned by two Disney and fantasy-loving women. If a fandom exists, there's a good chance they love it. Their spotlight this month is a pin called Pride Light. It's a Disney-themed pride flag, and 50% from each purchase is donated to a local LGBT charitable organization. Use my specific offer code, TRANSPOD22, for 20% off your purchase. And I would like to thank them with a big heart that they did this and sponsored my podcast. Hi, and welcome back to a new episode of Those Trans Guys. Hope you guys are doing well. Right now, it's currently a bit of a heat wave here in Vancouver, but so far, so good. Today, I have a very special guest joining me, and I wanted to reach out and do some more collabs, and this was the first one I'm going to be doing. So I'd like to welcome Kristen to my episode this week. Hey, Peyton. Nice to be here, um, and thanks for having me. I'm super excited about this. Yeah, no problem. So I just wanted to introduce you to my listeners and kind of give them a sense of who you are, where you're from, that kind of thing before we start the episode. Absolutely. Uh, so again, my name is Kristen. I am the founder of the Dress Code Project. I use they, them pronouns. I am from Toronto uh, in Canada, and uh, I am currently working all over the place, but mostly based out of Toronto. Awesome. Well, nice to meet you, and I'm glad you could join me today on my episode. Nice to meet you as well. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So basically this week I wanted to do a collab. And so I've been reaching out to some new podcasters, trying to build my podcast and also just get to know people in Canada, but also around the world too. So it's been really fun to reach out and get some replies and just to chat with different people from around the world. So um, so basically I just want to know like the reason behind your dress code project and kind of what inspired you and just give kind of give the listen, listeners a little bit more about your project. Yeah, for sure. Uh, So I started this about five years ago. I am a hairstylist. I've been a hairstylist for 15 years. And, um, you know, my salon was always really open and inclusive. Uh, In Toronto, the neighborhood that my salon is located in is in the east end of the city. It's a very inclusive neighborhood, um, a lot of diversity. And, um, you know, I just had a lot of clientele that uh, defined and represented themselves within the queer community. And one day had a a trans woman come in and get a haircut from me. And it was just that it was no big deal at all. And the next day she tweeted to my salon that it was the first time she'd had a haircut and felt like a woman. And, you know, it really, it was just very impactful because again, um, you know, I've been queer my entire life as, as long as I can remember. And I, I just felt a lot of what she was saying in that tweet reflected in you know, being discriminated against as a queer person in life in general and um, being a hairstylist and seeing that the industry itself was geared towards the heteronormacy of society and and it was exclusive to that mostly. Uh, it didn't outwardly say that, but that's really kind of how it represented itself. And I just wanted to make that change. I wanted to see my industry and the communities that I belong to um, be more cohesive and accepting of each other. So, yeah, I just decided to start something up, and uh, it turned it, it turned into this. 
Well, that's awesome. Honestly, I think that is what we need right now in society. I feel like nowadays there's so many stories that still come up about trans people trying to go for a haircut or any kind of exclusive space. And they're rejected a lot of the time, which is really, really disappointing and sad because they're equally, you know, male and female as the rest of the world. So why do they have such a hard time? Why do they have all the backlash? And it's because the industry itself unintentionally created that backlash. Mm-hmm. You know, um, as someone who went through cosmetology school, um, I remember learning about haircuts in cosmetology school. And what that was, was you did a men's cut and a women's cut. So in essence, we were trained that way. And, you know, when you're coming out of hair school, you have this year of of knowledge that you're just slammed with. And you're just trying to get into the industry. You're trying to create a name for yourself. You're trying to create a clientele. Social impactful things are not at the forefront of your mind, I guess. And you just kind of are like doing your work. Mm. I want to say that hairstylists are actually really, for the most part, really inclusive people. They just need a little help, you know, understanding what's going on. For the most part, people that I have talked to about this are just like, yeah, of course, this makes perfect sense. Why do we have gendered haircuts anyways? And the answer to that is, well, we shouldn't. And we have it because, again, you know, this society has been set up for, you know, um, cis-centered and, and heteronormative people and folks who identify within those communities. And, uh, you know, I think we're really seeing in, in the last little while, especially, that that is not the norm, you know, um, now, um, you know, more, more than 50% of the population do identify as female, you know, and then you look at statistics, like 43% of of people within, um, younger generations, like millennials and Gen Z identify as non-straight. So I think that it was honestly just the fact that the heteronormative and cis-normative society is what ruled in a, for a very long time, it still does to a certain extent, but we have louder voices now that are being heard. And um, people are starting to realize that just beyond all of that, categories categorizing haircuts by gender makes absolutely no sense at all. It's very true. Um, so your space is pretty open to all LGBT folks and all identifying people of all genders and, and um, identities and everything. Absolutely. Yeah. We have, um, my space in Toronto is our flagship, um, salon for the dress code projects. My staff is incredible. Um, we all identify differently Mm. and, um, we have, none of us, um, have biases in that way because we want it to be as safe as we can possibly make it. You know, we don't say that our safe is a hundred percent, our space is a hundred percent safe, but we, we do say that we try to make it as safe as possible we're always open to learning as well that's awesome so then what is your hopes for this project like do you want to grow into other provinces or what's your kind of mission in in the near future well you know our our flagship is in toronto but we actually within our organization the dress code project we have 350 salons members Mm. and they are global so most of them are actually in the united states following that canada and then australia um and then we have some in europe as well so we we really have grown quite a lot and with those salons we actually also you know do offer training and we actually vet them a little bit to see what their knowledge is so that they're not flying blind and we're not just saying yeah come join our organization we really want to 
try to make it as safe as possible. That's why we call them safer space salons. We give salon owners um, and salon individuals uh, the uh, the opportunity to learn from the research and the education that we provide. Nice. Cool. Well, that's awesome. So Thank you. I'm sure you've had a few bumps with, you know, starting it off and all that. Has there been any major bumps or is it just the common everyday, you know, up and down that you face? I think that it's, yeah, it's all a learning curve. You know, even as a queer identifying human, I feel like there's always tons to learn about our industry still, our industry, rather our communities still. Um, and it's no different within salons. You know, there's always new information coming up within our communities. There's always new information that we are turning into um, resources for salons and and stylists. So, you know, I think those are the things that we encounter mostly. Other bumps that we encounter are things like people opposing what we're doing, mm-hmm. you know, and, t- and telling us that, you know, we're wrong, that, you know, all of the things that you might find uh, trolls, as we call them, you know, yeah. saying saying when they oppose your, your beliefs and ideas. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that's an everyday struggle that we seem to face. I mean, even for me, I was nervous at the beginning to part, put my podcast out, but at the same time, I've come to a place in my transition that I'm very much at ease and comfortable with it, which I'm not saying goes for everyone. I mean, everyone's journey and story is different. And I was was talking to my partner about this last night and I said, like, not everyone's story is the same and not everyone's experiences are the same. But the reason for this podcast and for my story to be shared is to help those, to help people understand more what we face, the little struggles, because Google honestly is horrible for that. And I kid you not, you find the most ridiculous answers on there. So I never, like, I never experienced a lot of these things until I went through it. And I never thought what I was going to expect until I went through it. So that's why I did this podcast. And that's why I'm reaching out to share my story, but also to share others' voices and stories, because that's something that I lacked for so long. I never was able to use my voice and, and stand up for what I believed in. And now being like seven or eight years on on hormones and this journey has been incredible. I mean, learning, of course, with whatever is thrown at me, but I'm just so happy and proud to be sharing it and to hopefully help someone out there and inspire someone. So that's, that's kind of my backstory of my, my transition and my podcast story. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just so important, you know, as folks who are in the communities and have experienced certain things and also of a certain age that you take what you've learned and you help other folks within the communities so that their journey might be a little bit easier. Yeah. And I I wish that Google wasn't so, you know, to the point with some other answers, but for the most part, I learned a lot from Google for the beginning part. But as I went through with it, that's when I learned the most and experienced the most and I had um, documented a little bit on YouTube, but I, I personally didn't feel like it was the right place to do that. So then when I discovered podcasts and and came across beginning and starting one, it was like, this is totally what I want to do. And then the more opportunities arose, like different people reaching out to me and like sponsorships and not that I was seeking that or, or expecting it, but it was kind of cool. <laughs> so some small guy from, you know, BC getting recognized it's it's pretty awesome and and where i live is an awesome place too like it's very accepting of everyone all the identities and pride and and all that all that fun jazz so it all just works out in the end yeah that's great i 
personally also love living in a place that is so diverse. I, I currently share my time actually between Toronto and um, Houston, Texas. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, this uh, Houston is also an incredibly diverse and welcoming um, city for the queer communities. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot more work that needs to be done here. So um, it's part of the reason why I'm, I'm also here trying to get involved in this communities even more and help them out. Uh, you know, I think we all know with the social climate that's going on today, there's a lot of discrimination yeah. happening within this government, uh, you know, in, in Texas. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm here to do my part, I guess. Yeah. Well, so is Texas not the most accepting, I guess, and to put it that way? Um, I would say they have a government that isn't at the moment. You know, I, I, I really related a lot to Ontario, which is the province that I'm from. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, big, bigger cities like Toronto and Hamilton are incredibly diverse and incredibly open and inclusive and accepting. Uh, and then you go into the smaller towns outside of them that are kind of more, you know, rural. And you get, you know, when I'm driving out there during election time, you see a lot of conservative signs up and stuff like that. And it's really similar here. Yeah. And I guess I like I was talking to my partner the other night about this, too, is I'd like to go travel to the States to some places that I know for a fact aren't that great. But it's more about the opportunity mm-hmm. and about the exposure to a different part of the world that I know I'd like to be challenged in a way. But I'm also prepared for the southern back southern backlash of what could come if uh, I was faced with any situations. But for the most part, I mean, I've I passed, so to say. So I'm not too worried about that. But you still don't know who you'll meet in everyday passing and who will make a comment or whichever and have a little run in with someone because, you know, as coming from, you know, being born in Canada, I'm not used to facing those things on a regular basis at all. Like I've rarely had anything here happen that I've been nervous for my life or situation. So, but I think I would like to explore and put myself into a situation sometimes just to see, but not to say that I want to put myself in that situation, but I'm just kind of curious for the most part. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's, it's just good to go where you're needed and, um, and to make a difference and I, you know, I, I feel incredibly lucky to say that I live in a city like Toronto where I can walk, you know, every day and feel relatively safe for the most part. And, um, you know, and I, and not to say that it's really any different in Texas either in Houston. Uh, it's just that there are laws that are starting to seriously and heavily impact folks who um, live within the queer communities and identify within those communities. So I see the, the need here a little bit more. Well, that's awesome. And then um, how do you spend your time on the off days, like when you're not working? <laughs> um, I, you know, I am the founder of, of the not-for-profit, the Dress Code Project we're talking about today. And I also um, run and own a salon in Toronto. And I have business partners that I talk to on a really regular basis. So my off days are a little few and far between. But personally, I like it that way. And not to say that I want to um, promote the culture of being busy, but just as an individual, I find that when I am busy and more focused, I feel better about how I spend my time. And um, and then when I do have the time to relax and chill, I just like to you know sit down and watch a good show on Netflix or Hulu or something like that. Um, spend time with my partner, obviously, as much as I can, um, and see my friends as much as I can. 
Um, and, and just things like that, you know, I have cats and I have dogs and those are the things that I really love to do. I am currently actually on holiday. So, uh, that, that has been very nice. Um, and, uh, yeah, really just kind of doing all the other things anyone would do when they have off time. I just prefer to have less off time. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I mean, being busy is good and it has its benefits for sure. I mean, I personally, I have two weeks off and so it's been actually great, uh, except for the heat wave we have, of course. But other than that, I try to fill my time with a lot of good, positive stuff. And so this podcast has really been my focus during the holiday and and that's what's relaxing to me. It's been really fun to just grow in the last, like, however many days I've already been on holiday for and plan ahead for next week too about what I'd like to do. And I also like to be busy. So when I'm not working, I work in healthcare. I also, I do this, I see friends, I get out and enjoy the city and just be busy. I mean, there's times for sure where I need to down, like take a break and just lay on the couch and have some downtime. But, and like read a book, which I've been putting off for a long time. I got like five for Christmas and I haven't read any of them yet, but I'm always on the discovery to just be better and to work on myself and, and just, focus on that and spend time with my partner too, my friends and, and just make time for things that make me happy, which in the past I put aside a lot and, and ignored. And that was a selfish thing that I had done, but I was also in bad parts of my life growing and changing still, but, but I, I like to be busy as well. And, and to a fine line, have a happy balance between life and, and work too. Yeah, exactly. I, I find that the work that I do in my salon with my team and, um, is really rewarding, you know, um, it's rewarding for me on a professional level and, um, a personal level with my team. The work that I do with the dress code project is so much different because it's completely different work to a certain extent, but it's incredibly gratifying, somewhat selfish. Um, I guess you could say, but it just makes me feel like I'm giving back to, the community that I so strongly identify with and I want to see be healthy and have uh, more success stories and be more visible and more celebrated rather than accepted. And I feel like the only way to do that is if we all try to give our give back to when to when we can or what we can and um you know and and help that community grow and succeed. That's really important to me. So spending time being busy doing that it doesn't feel like work. It just feels like, you know, what I want to be doing. For sure. Well, that makes complete sense. Is there anything else that we should know about your project or like any other little things and inside looks that you haven't mentioned? Yeah, we also do. Um, you know, when I started the project five years ago, um, I started to realize that although it was really amazing that we were creating these gender affirming hair spaces and providing services for um, folks who identify within the queer community to look the way they feel and finally see themselves and their gender expression as they've wanted to. Um, we, I also realized that, you know, um, a large part of our community, uh, the queer communities is also marginalized. And for whatever reason, um, you know, access to a salon may not be, you know, something they can afford for one reason or another. You know, um, we have, I think, 
because of what we go through, because of the oppression of our communities, because this world really was made for heteronormative folks and cis-centric folks, there is quite a lot of mental health struggles that comes along with our community that really restricts the things we feel like we can do on a daily basis. So I created this little, what we call the Dress Code Project side hustle. It's called the Gender Free Haircut Club. And before the pandemic, we started to do these about once a month in different cities where we were getting hairstylists to volunteer their time and their skills to provide free hair services for marginalized queer folks. And it was really awesome. Not only were we we were able to do that and provide free services, but we were starting to find that it was becoming a more of a community event where people were going because they were really feeling at home and included there. And they were seeing themselves, um, you know, within a group of people and just feeling good. And then the pandemic hit and we had to stop all social gathering. And so when we had Pride this past June in Toronto, instead of going to Pride and having a booth there, which we had done in the past, we decided we really wanted to, you know, come out of this pandemic with a little bit of a bang and be more impactful. So we ended up doing, it was June 12th, this this past June, we uh, ended up having a gender-free haircut club day where we had 50 of our dress code project salons across North America participate in this event where they all provided free hair services for four hours out of the day uh, for queer folks. And it was amazing. It was such a, a great way to spend time. That's awesome. I'm sure it really made a difference in a lot of people's lives to just feel, you know, included and then just, yeah, that's, that's great. Thank you. Yeah. Um, do you have any other questions for me? I'm just so it's a fair conversation and not just like, <laughs> to leave it open, you know. So yeah, of course. No, I mean, I think it's it's really awesome, you know, to have uh, someone in our community doing something like this. So I think it's just really nice to be able to have these conversations. Thank you. Yeah, I, I've definitely felt like I've made a small difference already, and it's kind of been like a year and a bit now. So, but I'm always like wanting to grow and change and, and adapt to whatever society is doing, you know, and I, I try to reach out to as many people as possible just to, to share their stories and their voice. And I'm always looking on different websites for podcasters to kind of see who's out there in the world. And I, I'm not even necessarily looking at big people, but like small people too. Mm -hmm. And I've been surprised at how many people have been really interested. And I guess I'm just not used to it because I come from such a small town growing up and then I was kind of from like a private family for the most part and so I never thought that I was like known so to say and so now I have people reaching out one being Ashley Braxton who I had to put it together that she was like some famous person you know and I was like what and so <laughs> she reached out to me and and did a podcast episode with me and it was amazing that's fantastic yeah and so we're still in touch and that was the first kind of confidence booster for me to just keep doing it and and she challenged me a lot which is great and so that is something I like really respect and appreciate so that gave me the kick in the butt to just keep trying to reach out and and grow and I mean who knows what's down the road for me I'm just excited to do it and I'm not here for the fame I'm not here for whatever the income or whatever it is that's not at all in my radar I'm just here to to share a story to share other people's stories and to just have fun with it and that's really basically it. And and it's been really interesting to hear people's feedback too. I never thought that I had a so to say podcast voice, but people have said that I do. And it's like, oh, all right, cool. You know, and they put me on their car or in their house when they're cleaning, or you know, it's just kind of neat. So Yeah, that, that's really gratifying. Yeah. And then a lot of them 
are actually my coworkers at work, which is kind of neat. And then my family. So I have like a little fan base, which is kind of fun. And and one of my coworkers actually has a Etsy shop. So she is supporting me lately. And it's been it's been cool to just help her and she helps me. So Oh, that's great. Yeah. So uh I have her little blurb in my podcast. So her store is uh, Trinket and Vine. So they're an Etsy shop. They do pins. And, and then she has a, a pride one that she does now. And so some of the profit goes towards a, a local organization. And so it's all really beneficial. Yeah, that's really nice. I think it's really great when queer folks are, again, able to be celebrated and, you know, um, also just do what they what they love for a, a living while at the same time feeling like they're helping their communities. Um, so that's really fantastic. I'm, I'm glad to hear that for you. Yeah, it's been fun. So uh, is there any other podcast that you've collabed with that you'd like to mention? I'm just curious, like what you have done and shared your story with. Yeah, I have done. Um, I have done a good number of podcasts. Um, a lot of them have been from folks that I know in the hair industry, um, like, uh, you know, bigger stylists within the hair industry who either had a podcast, you know, before before the pandemic or started one during the pandemic because the hair industry was unfortunately, you know, in a lot of Canada mostly, um, really shut down during the lockdowns. And I think they had to find other channels to kind of just keep themselves busy and interested in, in things. But other than that, like we've we've had a lot more success in like other media outlets. Um, I've been on the Today Show, um, you know, talking about this, been featured in um, Vanity Fair Italia, Teen Vogue. Um, you know, I've been on a bunch of like CTV, CBC, um, and you know, the morning show breakfast show, a ton of different things like that. So it's just been really fantastic to see different, you know, um, media outlets grab onto this and understand that it's the services that we're providing are really necessary. Oh, for sure. So what was your favorite one? If you could pick one. It's so hard to say because they are all a little bit different. Um, I would say that, you know, um, the the live shows are always really fun um, because you just get a little bit more of a chance to talk back and forth and, and have real conversations that feel good. But also, you know, being featured in magazines like Teen Vogue is really awesome too, you know, like um, just because you know that's going to reach a lot of people also. So really all of it is, I think, just super positive. That's awesome. So what big projects are you working on right now, if there's any? Yeah. Um, well, we're always working with one of our, our, our biggest and major sponsor and partner, really, um, Pantene. Oh, wow. And uh, we've worked with them for going on three years now, and we're always putting things together. We started our campaign in 2018 and launched it the first time in 2019. Um, and we actually, together, made the very first global commercial featuring transgender women about their hair. And uh, it was called The Power of Hair, The Hair Has No Gender Campaign. And we are going on, I think it's uh, sixth iteration of that now. So we're, we're just constantly working towards things like that. Um, you know, in the past, we've also um, worked with them to, um, you know, help hairstylists understand why gender affirming salons are so important, provided them, you know, memberships to becoming gender affirming salons and having access to our education and training. It's been really great. Wow, that's awesome. Thank you. That's, yeah, that's a big uh, advertisement for sure. And I'm sure a lot of good exposure for you guys too, and for the whole community as a whole. So that's pretty cool. Thank you. 
Is there any others that you would like to work with, or is it just a matter of time of uh, making it work or scheduling and that kind of thing? I, you know, I think there's always um, there's always interest to work with other names that are going to further your cause and get the message out there even more. Um, you know, people have asked me in the past, like, what is your goal? As you asked me, and and you know, if I'm being perfectly honest, our biggest goal is to actually just. Um, not exist anymore. You know, I would love to be able to say that, you know, we created gender affirming salons, we helped create them. And now, you know, they're not needed anymore, because it's become the norm. That would honestly be ideal. Wow. Yeah, I, I get that. Like, that's why I try my best to bring up relevant topics on my podcast, because I feel like it's still an everyday struggle. And it's still something that's not as commonly talked about, or it feels like there's just some, some, a little bit of tension and, and awkwardness and uncertainty, I guess, is another way to put it. And just a lot of people feeling like they don't quite understand it, which is too bad. But that's why we need to keep doing what we're doing. And unfortunately, that's just how it is right now. And I'm hoping down the road, it'll be easier. But for now, like the internet doesn't tell you everything and perceives things in, a, in an opposite light, which is just the way it is. And and I know for a fact when I'm confronted by people who have no idea, I can tell right away it's a, it's a dead given that they just have no sense in knowing and no sense in wanting to know. So I do my part as best as possible. And that's partly why the podcast helps. And it's just a little step in the right direction. And And pride, of course, helps a little bit too. But unless you're in someone's shoes, you don't really quite know. Yeah, exactly. So, but for the most part, I mean so far so good so we'll just we'll just keep that in the back of our minds so but um i really do appreciate you coming on and and sharing this with me and it was really nice to hear what you're doing in the community and what your hopes are and just the little things and it it's pretty magnificent and i, I hope that you don't stop because it's something we need and and something that should be needed and i i wish the best for you because that's an awesome project that you're doing Thank you so much. I really appreciate your support and um, wish the same same success to you with your podcast and, and all your other endeavors. Thank you. I really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing that with me and, and just to help share your story a little bit more. Thanks so much. And I appreciate you coming on and stay tuned, guys, for another episode in the next little while here. I'm just going to battle through the heat, but thanks again to Kristen for coming on and sharing her story about the Dress Code Project. Thanks so much, Peyton. And just one thing, my pronouns are actually they, them. Sorry, they, them. My bad. No worries.